Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. I don't get fined. 
so I'm just let y'all know that right here now. I'm ready to go, but I'm only here so I don't get fined. Right. Give a shout out to all the real Africans. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> so Hank is sitting there tonight. He's joining us um, in place of our man Phil T Sports PhD. Shout out to my man. Uh, my, I, I thought I was still. Um, he's got some things going on with his family. He's holding it down, taking care of home right now. To my right, as always, I got my man, D. Wills. Holler at the people. I'm feeling good, man. I'm ready to get up in here and, and make things happen. It feels like it's been a while since we had a group together, you know, and I feel like I'm ready to get out here. I, I might go for I might go like my niece. She just she went for five for five from three in the uh, second quarter in the quarterfinals as a freshman. I feel like I got her kind of skills tonight. Uh, I'm, I'm about to get loose. I'm going to tell Hank to set that screen, baby. I'm coming off. I'm falling out of bounds. I'm going to yell, G. Rice. <laughs> hey, hey, we're, right, right. With that Glenn Rice skill set, right? We back like Jodeci. Jodeci got an album coming out, fellas. <laughs> oh, wow. yes. Yeah, Jodeci got an album coming out, man. He didn't got back together. I think they're about 15 years too late, but oh well. <laughs> hey, what's the title of the album? The Liquor Store is Closed? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You feel me? <laughs> Man, we saw Seriously. James and JoJo in Beloit, Wisconsin on the riverfront. Great small hey, venue, man. Yes, they and, killed uh, it, though. They killed Man, it. they killed You saw it? They killed But, 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 uh, KC looked like Man, he had been he had been there about two years. I'm like, man, yeah, man. That, that, that yeah, life he had that. He had that young flavor, flavor look to him. When it looked like when he looked like you know, like a, a chicken wing had been cooked a little too hard. <laughs> it was like you can see all his muscle structure and everything. He's just like, he's a sandwich, brother. You look like a plucked chicken up there. I mean, they performed like they went to Apollo in this little community. You remember that, man? They performed like it was. But, yeah, he took his shirt off. I think the crowd just gasped. Like, ooh, somebody called Terry. <laughs> yeah, tell you. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, man. Yeah, whole warehouse. Yeah, I back. Hey, hey, back. You know, they got a song on the album called I Gotta Go See My Parole Officer. <laughs> <laughs> That one goes. That was right after the liquor store was closed. Yeah. <laughs> if it ain't Hennessy, it ain't right. Yeah. Right. See. You know what I'm saying? Right. If it, it ain't Hennessy, it ain't right. You know, I gotta go call my seventh baby mama. <laughs> that was a blazer. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yes sir, yes sir. So RSG is back in full effect, bringing you the type of sports radio that only we can. Um, you know, it's often duplicated, but never imi- often imitated, but never duplicated. Um, we're going to go into the portion of the show we call the intro to let them know. This is where we give you a quick rundown of all the things we have in store for you all. Ours is brought to you by Resistance Digital Solutions. Make sure you hit up our man, LR, at Resistance Digital to get all your digital and electronic needs met at a very low price with great service. Uh, all guests and hosts, I got to be appearing via the Fredericks Accounting Gateway. Fredericks Accounting is the official accountant of RSG. Make sure you hit up our folks at Fredericks Accounting to get your business done the right way. All right, fellas. This is what we got in store, all right? NFL Combine just went down. 
we got to get into that. There's just so much about the combine. It's just funny to me. I've got some observations. I'm sure you guys do, too. That's why you're here, because you have opinions. All right? We'll hit you with the dog of the week. Then we're going to get into the five on the black-hand side, talking NBA. Uh, second half of the NBA season is underway. Lots of moving and shaking during the trade deadline. Lots of trades, lots of deals. We'll give you our insights on the trade deadline. And then we're going to give you our March Madness teaser. That's what we got for you, all right? We're going to keep it real short, real sweet, meat and potatoes kind of show tonight. So, fellas, let's go ahead and dig in. NFL Combine just went down. Um, you know, this is where NFL football fans get really excited about grown men running around in spandex. When you say it like that, <laughs> and when you say it like that, it makes everybody feel a little bit silly, right? Because what are we talking about here? Nobody's got any equipment. Nobody's got any pads. But we're getting excited about how fast a guy runs in some Under Armour. Um, so, you know, I asked you guys to give me, you know, your three main takeaways from this year's Combine. Uh, Hank, since you're a special guest tonight, why don't you bat lead off and get us going? Yeah, you know what? I had an opportunity to look at some of the Combine, because uh, there wasn't nothing else on, really, if you ask me. But uh, you have right. Uh, they Under Armour, you know, with, uh, with, the, with the sponsorship of all of that, you know, I think Goodyear Tire and Rubber Company missed out on an opportunity. You know, you see some of them 300-pounders with those with those outfits on, it's like, you know, that's just a bad look. You know, it, it's just <laughs> like one of those face, Facebook bad selfies that they have sometime on those app store things, but I digress. You know, but what I saw, you know, was, you know, there, there's, a, there's just so much, you know, they put into the quarterback. You know, the, the NFL being such a quarterback league, and how can you not think about the, the two main names out there, Jameis Winston and Marcus Mariota. I think Mariota uh, served himself well in the combine. You know, there, there was questions about his ability to make all the throws and everything, and I thought he did a nice job of that. I also thought that, uh, you know, his footwork is good, but, you know, uh, it's short-lived. You try to be a running quarterback so much in the NFL today. And then there's our boy, famous Jameis Winston. You know, and I got to tell you, uh, when I saw him, he did his he did his 40. You know, he, he was running like a cat that was trying to get the shuttle bus to work. And I'm telling you, his body shape, <laughs> man, Devon, he looked like he was hanging out with me and your brothers drinking 40s. He just didn't look good. I love him. When the brother went to throw the rock, he can throw that rock. He can sling that rock. Now, he's got to be the slowest black man in the South. Okay, so he better not really get in trouble. Hope somebody really gets a hold of him and gets between that space between his ears before he gets to the NFL. Because I'm telling you right now, the boy's got a wealth of game talent, a wealth of game talent. But I'm telling you right now, you know, first of all, I, I, I'm, I'm amazed that, you know, what? I guess you got to, uh, you know, um, you know, abuse or, or sexually assault a woman if you body shaped like he got. But again, you know, as I say, he didn't look. <laughs> but but the but the brother could sling the rock. But I think that you know that that takeaway was one thing I thought was real good. And I tell you, I got to give a, a shout out, you know, to uh, my Michigan State brethren. You know, I know this is going to be really hard for me to do being a Michigan fan. But you know, some of those some of those uh, players from Michigan State really sold themselves well. A lot of speed. A uh, lot of lot of uh, agility, you know. Trey Wayne's was one of the fastest corners out there. Um, uh, the running back, the name escapes me right now, and it should because he's a Michigan State running back. But he but he looked good. I wouldn't mind him being a Detroit Lion. 
but uh, you know, the Michigan State players, you know, you can tell those players have developed really well, and that uh, D'Antonio is doing a nice job. I hope that happens with uh, Harbaugh at Michigan, but you can see it from the Michigan State players at the combine. Excellent, excellent. And you know, back to Jameis. You know, I saw a picture of him on the internet, man, with him uh, having a little thing around his waist trying to throw a football. And the best, the best caption I saw was Jameis Winston is built like dude from Boys in the Hood that gave Ricky his football back. <laughs> dude, the dude the show I'm talking about. Who had the shorts over the jogging pants? Yeah. <laughs> you know, he that one like internet for me, like, hands you down. Game, you have a pickup game at the hoop court or something like that, and then that one brother that come out to the court that grabbed all of his clothes out the dirty ho- clothes hamper and called next, and nobody want to play with him because you don't know how to play. That's how he's built. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I <laughs> he's built like he's about 37, man. He's built like a 37 year old man. <laughs> <laughs> but as you said, the kid is talented. The brother is talented. Um, you know, for me, that was my biggest takeaway. Was you know, despite all of the all of the uh, things that they're trying to make an issue with Jameis, Jameis is a football player. Um, the thing that you know, we people are talking about his maturity, and you know how in the interviews he conducts himself as a a Peyton Manning or, or Tom Brady would. You feel me? And I think the thing that folks have to understand that is different for him being a young brother is that his peer group is his peer group. You feel me? At a school. Right. And so mm-hmm. sometimes being the leader of that group, every now and then you got to step out and do something wild to keep the guy, keep the street cred. And That's honestly, right. I think that was a that was the swiping the lobsters. You know, that was the jumping up on the table, yelling out the, the obscenity. You know what I mean? I think that's what that was about was more like I got to keep my career with my crew. You know what I mean? Otherwise, they're going to start questioning. They're going to try to pull my card. You know, and it's unfortunate. You know, you wish it didn't go down like that. But when you hear about how he conducts himself in, in, other, in other environments and other situations, you know, I think that's a big piece of it. He is a – unfortunately, he's a leader to a fault where he has to be the alpha. And sometimes I bet he gets himself in a situation where he's got to one-up you know he's got he's got to one up the next dude, and if you if the other guy is doing something immature and you got to one up his immaturity, you know then you wind up stealing lobsters and and, and jumping on the table and yelling out craziness, you know. But I, I'm, I'm impressed with how he's handled himself. I'm impressed with the fact that you know he he can make all the throws. Um, if I got a choice between him and Mariota, I'm taking uh, I'm taking Winston. Um, the other thing that I came away with is Vic Beasley. Clemson defensive end slash linebacker. Now, this guy came in, workout wonder, Mike Mamula type performance. That's a, that's a throwback reference right there. Um, hmm. Great performance at the combine. Now, the thing that caught my eye about this guy's story is that in about mm, six, eight weeks, this dude increased his vertical eight inches. Now, as a basketball player, that's that's gold, right? Getting your vertical right is gold. Um, I'm just saying this brother's probably on steroids. I'm just gonna throw that out. 
Ain't no way. Ain't no way no human being would increase their vertical no eight inches in no six weeks without taking something extra. <laughs> I didn't try everything on the planet, and I know every other cat didn't try everything on the planet, and you might be able to squeeze out two inches on your vertical. You might be able to Man, I couldn't, I couldn't uh, increase my, my vertical eight inches with, if you gave me a ladder. I'm just so I, I get you. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I'm just saying, I'm, I'm calling shenanigans on that one, man. That, that, that That's just not happening. That's just not possible um, naturally. So be on the lookout for the Vic Beasley's on Roy's story, which will be coming out within a year or two. <laughs> okay. All right, so that was the, that was the other takeaway. I had my last takeaway was Amari Cooper. I'm a little concerned. And it goes back to the vertical. Dude ran well. He catches the ball really well. But a receiver that can't jump, when was the last time you heard about a receiver who couldn't jump being taken in the top five? I wait. Well, if you, if you look at Amari Cooper in the last three, four ball games that he played, you know, um, I wasn't very impressed. Okay, you didn't see him making any moves to get himself open. You know, with, with, if, if the ball wasn't really dropping out the sky on him, he got decent vertical speed. I mean, uh, lateral speed. But I mean, you didn't see him do anything that that really stood out. And I think if you go back to the last three games or four games where he played, there was a couple of games he played out disappeared. Okay, and for him to get all the hype that he got, I'm not really too surprised with that. Yeah, and, and you know, guys who come to mind who weren't, who were great college receivers, but weren't really good pro guys. Usually didn't have great. They weren't vertical. And, and when I mean vertical, I mean jump ball threat type guys. That right. you know, a quarterback can make a bad throw. They jump up and, and control the vertical space. And you know, like, and again, I'm bringing up some names. I'm going back, but guys like Peter Warwick. Peter Warwick was unbelievable in college. I mean, just right. a video game. He would shake catch. And when you talk about that lateral quickness, that lateral explosiveness, Peter Ward had it. He couldn't go vertical to save his life. Didn't work in the league. Desmond Howard, another guy, just couldn't get up in the air. You know, great quickness, great lateral quickness. My thing, and those guys were top five, top ten picks. There's nothing wrong with not having a great vertical if you're a second, third-round guy and they're going to put you on the slot. Right. Knock yourself out. That's perfect role for you. But when you're talking about top five, I'm, I need an A.J. Green. I need a Des Bryant. I need an Odell Beckham. I need Megatron. I need that kind of impact out of a top five guy. I don't need no slot. I'm not looking for no slot guy that early, you know. So that, that concerns me with Amari Cooper. So those are my three takeaways. D. Wills, what are your three takeaways from the, uh, from the combine? I think I hit a lot. I, my big – so my takeaway – what I always think about the combine is that um, the first rule of football is sky, the, the eye in the sky don't lie. So the the real grading is what you do in film against competition. Um, I think that the combine can tell you certain things. Um, uh, one thing I, I really look at in the combine is, is your competitiveness. So I think the most important thing about the combine is how competitive does a person look in that when they're around other people? How do they how do they walk? Less than numbers, uh, because there's a lot of great football players who didn't have great combine numbers. And so, you know, part of it is you've got to be able to triangulate everything you see in, and combine is part of the story. The other big piece is, and we talked about it with Jameis Winston, is not all the other stuff 
but but the fact that that folks are giving him a grade and comparing him to Peyton Manning, and to me, I give you know some of these folks a lot of credit because they could have bought into a lot of the noise, and they are still critical of you know of, of certain things about him. But to be able to get through all the noise and really see him, and I've been saying this forever. I said, you know, people don't realize this kid was like a three eight four point student in high school. You know, very smart kid. I think part of his issue is social awkwardness. You know, he's a guy that was good football, but you know, he's nerdish. And y'all know the cat that's kind of got that exactly. He got the step, a little awkward. You know, I think those. I think that's part of his deal. And so he does. Well, that's why he I ran that four nine. Yeah, huh? That's why he ran that four nine. He got that awkward. But the thing yeah. about it. Yeah. <laughs> the thing about it is. The thing about it is, for me. Speed ain't really necessary. If you, what he can do is what most of these other quarterbacks can't do is he can throw for the pocket. And his quickness mm-hmm. and his movement within the pocket, his ability to step up, that's what you need in the pocket. He He's already ahead of most people because of the fact he don't need to run unless he want to run. He can make all the throws. And so, you know, there's how many – you know, because he's a brother, people talk about the speed. But how many slow white dudes who have been great quarterbacks, nobody ever say anything about their speed. They lack the speed. Nobody talks about Peyton's speed. Nobody talks about right. Tom Brady's speed. So finally we got a they brother who, who, who you don't have to talk about his speed. He can just throw. And so I love that about him. Mariota, I love the way he, 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 he performed. But the problem is there's a lot you can do in dress rehearsal. See, the thing about Winston he showed you stuff he was already doing at Florida State. Plus, he was carrying a team. He was carrying a team. He didn't have a lot of talent around him. For them to even be in the in – in the, in, he was he throwing inceptions. He didn't have a lot of talent around him, but he could make all the throws. For Mariota, he's still to be seen when live, live action comes at him, when they make an adjustment, when they game plan it for him. Can he think? This is more na- natural. And I would say people like – uh, Price Betty and some other Bryce Betty and some of the other Petty, excuse me, Petty, Petty, Petty. Uh, some of the other folks might be better right now than he is, uh, but I like his drive. Um, the the things you said about Cooper, Cooper's interesting. I say Alabama's interesting. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to figure out how to grade Alabama. Like they linemen, right? Do well, yeah. But they linebackers. I mean, they've had some hit and miss on defense and skill players. Mm-hmm. What you what you find is they, they they coach people up really well, but I'm not seeing it. I would argue, if you, and, 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 and people laugh when Bielema used to say this, but he used to always tell me that you know look at the number of Wisconsin players who are on pro pro lineups and how they play. Well, I look at some of these Wisconsin, some of these Alabama guys who come out with all this hype. I just don't see it translating to the NFL. Some, especially some of their skilled players, they've had some hits and some misses in ways that they shouldn't have. Um, and, and mostly other programs who are elite programs, huh? I they have more misses than they have hits. Yeah, yeah. And to me, that so so really, the combine is how, I'm fascinated about how people get caught up in the pedigree rather than what they see, right? And uh, you know, you know, sometimes going on, uh, you know, because saving carries so much weight in this past NFL. I think sometimes that gives people a little higher grade. Than they normally so people aren't trusting their eyes. So it's it's always good when you see people like Mayock and some of these other folks start to break through some of that. Um, but the key with this is, uh, you know, the teams that always do well 
in these drafts and they're consistent, they don't just rely on this. They do their homework. They watch film. And, um, you know, I see some players, I think receivers are probably really good bets you can look at. So I think some of your stuff with Cooper is probably legitimate um, because I think there's more things in the combine that fits the kind of skills that you've got to have as a receiver getting out of it and out of stuff. I think some of the things translate a little bit more of that. But for these quarterbacks, um, for running backs, you know, other than the speed and, and some of the quickness stuff, you know, you've got to go back to the film. And so I'm always confident to see, you know, how many people are influenced by what they see in the combine versus what they trust on film when they see these guys in person. They need to go back to their notes and trust those notes and let the let the combine be the icing, not the cake. Right. And I think those that use the combine well will look at, for example, Amari Cooper's vertical, revisit the game tape, and then look at his jump balls and see – Okay, so that's how right. does he do in jump ball situations? You know what I mean? Okay, so he's got a 33-inch vertical. That's a bit of a red flag for me. Let me go back to the tape and see, okay, so, you know, maybe I wasn't really honing in on his jump ball ability before, but let me really nitpick at it and see, if th- is this guy really winning these one-on-one tossed-it-up jump ball battles um, against college DBs? That's the other thing, you know, against mm-hmm. the tape. That's, and I think that's the balance is he looks fast. But he's going against college guys. He's, and, right. you know, if he's a first-rounder, he better be faster than all of these guys. I need to know if he's faster than the other pro guy. And that's where you start. That's where the numbers kind of give you either they validate what you've seen on tape or they give you reason to go back and look at the tape again. But I, you're, you're spot on, D. Wills, when you talk about how the good teams, it's a mixture. There's a combination. There's not, you know, they don't stray too far on one end of the spectrum being a numbers guy or a tape guy the good teams fall right in the middle and they know how to use the tape and use the use the, uh, the numbers from the combine and the tape together to get a good picture, a holistic picture of what the player is bringing to the table. Um, back so, to so Alabama point. Let, let me – because you you have Cooper and I'll get you back to Al point. This is where you I think you hit me. You can have a 33-inch vertical if you 6'3", six, 6'4". Six, but if you 6'1", right. Right. then they say, they say he needs – so if you six one, now you got to be a good route runner. So his weakness is right. you got you got to you got to be explosive to create that separation. Yeah, and so they say he he doesn't finish routes. He said they say he stops occasionally to adjust routes. So you can't be six one in the NFL and be almost indecisive. But you have to run. Right. If you got you got to your preparation has to be ridiculous because right. I think he struggled against LSU and some of the other teams that had good defensive backs. So that tells mm-hmm. you when he has elite competition on him, he's not dominating the way he is when he's playing against Kentucky. Right. Well, he's not. He's not. He's not. A, he's not a physical uh, receiver neither. I mean, the thing right. is, if you watch the game against Ohio State, you know he was jamming him off the line of scrimmage. He couldn't get off. You know, anytime somebody gives him room, yeah, he can run right by somebody. In fact, all of his highlight films, his real, he just ran by people. Anytime he's got to play a physical game, which is kind of odd for a Nick Saban team, you would think that, that uh, those players would be uh, a little bit more physical. But that's the thing about him. He is not, and he disappears. And if anybody can can get up in his grill, he disappears. Unless 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 you – if you hit him all game long, he's not there in the fourth quarter. And they compare him to mm-hmm. Marvin Harrison, but Marvin Harrison runs ridiculous routes. <laughs> Like and it's about, the separation. it's about the separation. 
you got to get separation. separation. You got to be explosive to get that separation because if you can't get the separation, then I can't throw you the ball because I can't just throw it up and you expect you to go get it. You know what I mean? I can't. Right. I can't. Malt, I can't expect you to go and moss somebody if you got a thirty-three-inch vertical when the DB is jumping thirty-eight. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and, and you're not six-five, and you don't have a six-inch. You know, you're not six-five, and the DB is five-ten. You know, five-eleven to six-one ain't much of a difference. His, his, his biggest his biggest uh, asset is his speed. Okay, you can't teach speed. Now maybe you get get him to the NFL and you get they get somebody to uh, clean up his routes. You know where he can make somebody look bad. But again, you know if the if the book is out on him being a soft receiver, okay, that can't leap, then yeah, what he's going to be is a very expensive slot receiver. Yeah, and I and I, I think the teams that are projected to take him can't afford that. They can't afford no. that at all. Um, the last point I want to make and wrap up this conversation is you know, I want to hit on your Alabama point, D. Wills, and not so much to disparage Alabama but to highlight the the U, the University of Miami Hurricanes, the run they had in the early 2000s on their roster. When you talk about putting guys in the league that are impact players, I don't think we've ever seen a run of guys come off of a college roster, come out of a college program and Almost two of man, they hit, they hit, they hit, they hit. Whether the guy was a fourth rounder or a first rounder, he was a player. And you know, you got schools like Notre Dame that have a history of putting some duds out that are high profile. Um, Alabama seems to be following that, following suit. Um, USC, you know, some of their guys have, have 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 been have flamed out. Texas has had some guys flame out who are high profile. Some of those blue blood programs. But the U in the early 2000s, I mean, it was Sean Taylor. It was Vince Wilfork. You know what I mean? It was Reggie Wayne. You know, it was Willis McGahee, Frank Gore. I mean, just guy after guy came in and just it was exactly what they were supposed to be for three of Edger and James. I mean, just guy after guy came in from the U and was an a Ed Reed. Just You can keep naming guys who are named players, you know what I mean? And it, it, I think that was quite the run, and you can't take that for granted. So I just wanted to highlight that for a second. That, you know, that point yep. that you're making is a valid point, and not very many schools have been able to do what the U did during that span of, the, uh, of you know, the, the early 2000s from about, you know, 98 to about 2005, 2006. It was just ridiculous what they were doing as far as what they were putting out in the league um, as far as from a talent perspective. Clinton Portis. I mean, guys are just popping in my head now. <laughs> Shockey, uh, Winslow, you know what I mean? Guys who are just impact players right out, you know? It, it, it was pretty ridiculous. It was pretty ridiculous. Yeah. And you're, not, you're just not seeing that with them at all. Well, yeah. what you had with, yeah. with Miami, Miami, Miami put a fence around South Florida. They pulled all that talent, that, and they wouldn't let anybody get it. And you look at those guys, those guys are just raw, just hard, raw talent. And then once they develop that, at those players, once they develop that mantra, once they develop that swagger, then anybody coming in there had to do that. These other schools you're talking about, you're talking about the politics of a Texas. You're talking about Nick Saban in Alabama. Those are programs. Those are run by the coaches, okay? There was something to be said about Miami. You you can't even say nothing about the coaches that left the University of Miami and what sort of and outside of Jimmy Johnson, there wasn't a whole lot of talent, and, and Howard Snellenberger, who actually put it on the map, 
But you know, Dennis Erickson and the rest of those coaches, they you know, they 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 didn't really have any a whole lot of success outside of what went on on the U. They were, that was one school that was run by the by the players by South Florida, and and they put a fence around it. And and the rest of these schools can't do that. So you know, yeah, they get to the pro level and it's 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 not there for some of these guys. And they're prima donnas, a lot of them, and they got to walk chalk line when they get to these schools. But you got to argue that Alabama's Alabama's loaded up on all the blue chippers. I mean, they're loading up on blue chippers. But they're 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 five star players. Okay, you're not hearing what I'm saying. They're five star players by somebody's ranking. Okay, and you know, so they 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 fit into that nice neat little puzzle that Nick Saban has in Tuscaloosa. When you talk about the U, you're talking about just raw dog players that weren't even highly recruited. Some of them, they just were flat out talented players that they turned these athletes that they turned into great football players. Okay, they were hungry, they were starving. Okay, they went to U, the University of Miami, just flat out talented. Now again, you know the rules have changed a lot because of what went on with the University of Miami. But you got a lot of these guys that they're. I'm not. I'm not saying they're not talented. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. but a lot of them are like they. 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 Yeah, they've been catered to. You're talking about five-star athletes. I'm going to Alabama. I'm going to play with Nick Saban. I'm going to get a free ride to the NFL. And then they got to work hard. And what you see with some of them, it's not there. It's my point. Oh, I get I, I got you. I got you. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I hear I hear everything you're saying, and, and I agree with you. I think that was a very that, – that was a unique phenomenon, what happened at the U during that time because, again, I think it was very much player-driven. Um, you had players going back to younger players and say, why don't you come here and rep this? I don't think the coaches – again, who was a notable coach? Right. I wait. I mean, <laughs> outside of Jimmy Johnson, he's the only one that you can think of. Like I said, Howard Snellenberger yep. put the school on the map, but what he did was, again, he put a fence around South Florida. He went and got a bunch of athletes that nobody really wanted at these other schools, got them to University of Miami – Start that legacy. Jimmy Johnson was able to translate that to the NFL and get him a couple of Super Bowls. Okay, Dennis Erickson won a won a, um, won a um, national championship, but you didn't hear from Dennis Erickson anywhere else. He wasn't able to translate that success anywhere else. Again, he was a product of what was going on about that talented, deep, deep talented athletic pool. Not necessarily not necessarily football players, but athletes of South Florida. You know, of, of raw dog players that just wanted to come and, and, and play for the U, and they did. You just don't have that same element at the rest of these schools. And then when you get to the NFL, these players are already scratched and fought for everything they got. You get to the end, but with some of these five stars, let's face it, you know, they, they're great. They're, they're patting on their back, and then they go to the NFL, you don't hear from them anymore. Trent Richardson? Right, 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 <laughs> right. Guys who master the process. It's a process. And if you can play the process well, your name will be out there, and you'll be highly regarded if you have the, if you have a decent level of talent. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I, I, I like the points. We're going to transition right here. We're going to pay a few bills. Now we're going to get into our Resistance Digital Dog of the Week. Resistance Digital Solutions. Are you tired of running to the boys in blue? Are you done with listening to sales staff trying to upsell you technology that you don't need? We've all been there. So, what did the real sports guys do? We contacted Resistance Digital Solutions for all our technology needs. They are not there to meet sales quotas or make profit margins. They simply just want to sell you what you need at a fair price. From iPads to PCs to flat screens, TVs, or intricate home theater systems, 
They customize every solution based on your needs. Check out their website at www.resistancedigital.com or email them at sales at resistancedigital.com for your custom technology solutions today. Yes, sir. Fellas, you know how it goes. Resistance Digital Dog of the Week. D. Will, start us off. We need more dogs. We need more dogs. I'm going to go with Rick Carlisle. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, sir. Yes, sir. He put his foot down. I like that one. Good pick. Explain. He said, don't jump up to get beat down, and then you're going to sit down. And in this day and age, he's always been that way. Ever since he was in his days in Detroit, he takes no punches and cats respect him at the end of the day. Sometimes you got to let the coaches know that you got their back. I'm with Rick Carlisle. Sometimes you got to let folks know, sit down, don't lower your voice, young man. Hey, hey, I like it. I like it. And, you know, especially when you ain't producing, you know, <laughs> Carl, I was like, I call the plays. <laughs> you better yeah. know your role. You yeah. a backup singer. I'm a lead singer. Me, me, me. You a backup expendable, brother. You better have a seat. I like that. I like that pick. I like that pick a lot. You know, Rondo is interesting, man. I mean, it, it, we'll get into this in a little bit. But just offhand, is he in your top ten point guard? Not anymore. And the reason why, and you know I like Rondo. The reason why there's so many up-and-coming point guards right now who can also defend and score, and they don't give you headaches. You know, a couple years ago, you know Rondo was high in my uh, list. But right now we got we got some, some, some point guards that have come down the line and – even where it's even, he's going to lose because they don't give you the headaches. And sometimes that's worth something. Uh, I, I think he's still a great uh, guy when it comes down to the playoffs. And to get in that, he's still limited on his scoring. Um, I love what he can do for the game. But when you compare him to some of these rising point guards, even in the West, and some of the vets that are there, even if he's close, he's going to lose because – he brings the baggage they don't bring. You can't need him more than he needs you. I think at the end of the day, he can't be your best player. That's the kind of guy he is. He can't be your best player. He can't be your team leader. If he goes to the Lakers next year and Kobe's there and and Kobe's Kobe's running the show, I think that would be a good fit for him because Kobe's personality is going to dominate that locker room. You can't have a moody prima donna be the personality of your locker room and be your best player. He just can't be he can't be a team's best player. That's why I'm at with him. And, and and with the other point guards you would mention, they could be your best player. You don't have to do right. all that stuff with them. Right? You know, you don't have to do all that stuff with them. You don't have to cater to them. You know, even if you put a Jeff Teague in there, Jeff is performing, but you know Jeff coming up every day and he's gonna uplift your team. You ain't got really to do much with him. You know right. And he can he can he he's he's learned to be a lead dog. You can't you can't Kyrie, you know, Kyrie's got his thing, but Kyrie's in it to win it. You know, he's gonna give you something, you know, so it's just like, yeah, he's gotta have he's you can't he can't be the guy, especially a point guard where he gotta have a babysitter. Yeah. Come on, yeah. Too grown for that. Too grown for that. Hank. We need more dogs. You know, um my dog of the week 
this week is uh, LeBron James, and not for the reasons that you think. Now, the Cleveland Cavaliers have finally got their act together. They won nine straight. They're playing good ball, becoming quickly one of the uh, favorites in the East. But that's not the reason. And, and we all know about LeBron James, you know, King James and what he does. But that's not the reason why I got him being my dog of the week this week. He's my dog of the week because uh, LeBron James came out and he asked colleges to stop recruiting his son. Now, see, on the surface, you might say to yourself, well, wait a minute, that's not very responsible. It is because, see, his son ain't but 10 years old, okay, and he's already got colleges coming and trying to run this game of come to my school, come to my school. And and he's right. He said there should be something out there for a kid that young to be recruited to college. Now, if they were – now, if this kid was like a science uh, major, if he was an engineering major or something like that, would it make a difference? I don't know. But then if he was those things, would they be coming after him? I don't think so, okay? But being LeBron's kid, oh yeah, there's a whole lot of theater there. But, see, he did act a responsible dad and say they need to put something in place. I give him a lot of credit for that, you know, because he could have he could have sensationalized that or did anything else. But, no, he protected his kid. You know, when that time comes, that time comes. I give him credit for that. He's my dog of the week. I like that. I like that. I, I, I'm with you on that. I think that was the right move. It was the right statement for him to make, and I think he was the right person to make that statement. Like, this is out of hand. This is a little mm-hmm. too much. You know, and Ten you guys are claiming old. that your institutions, right? And you guys are claiming that your institutions are higher learning. He ain't even out of elementary school yet, right? And you guys are universities. You universities. You know what I'm saying? Where kids have to have a certain GPA. ACT, SAT score, y'all recruiting an elementary school kid? Come on now. Come exactly. On. And that's because of LeBron James. I mean, you think about just just, just how, how absurd that sounds. I mean, he hasn't gone through puberty. You don't know what this kid is going to be. You know, you just assume that the genes are there and that he's going to be something. But it's just so unfair to the kid. You know, I mean, let the kids be kids. They got plenty of time for the pro game or the Absolutely. college game. That, that's that's going to come. I don't blame him. I, bravo for that move. Amen. Amen on that. Amen on that. We need I'm going to give you my dog of the week. I, I'm going to cheat a little bit and split mine. I'm splitting mine between two cats who are just impressing me to no end right now. The first guy is Steph Curry. I mean, wow. Steph Curry has, has taken the league by storm this season. I mean, he is – he's got one of the top three handles in the league – He's got one of the top three prettiest shots in the league, and this dude is just putting on a show night in and night out. He's got the he's got the glow, you know, little light skinned Bruce Leroy thing going on right now, where you know he got that little glow on him when he out there. You can't do nothing with that dude right now. The other guy who I'm giving my dog of the week to is Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook yeah. is in full out kamikaze assassin mode. I mean, he is going all out Wreck-It Ralph on the league. <laughs> He's just like, give me the ball. I'm on the wreck-it. <laughs> like, this dude has got one speed, and it is turned all the way up. I mean, it's 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 ridiculous. He is an average near a triple-double over his last seven or eight games. He killed – I mean, he just destroyed everybody in the All-Star game. I mean – Wow. I mean, it's gotten to the point where people are asking, actually asking the question, is he the best player on the Thunder? 
that's kind of crazy. <laughs> so those are my dogs of the week. Again, dog of the week is brought to you by Resistance Digital Solutions. You're listening to the Real Sports Guys, realsportsguys.com, RSG, Renegade Radio, back in full effect, 2015 style. We're going to hit you with five on the black hand side because it goes a little something like this. Five, oh, five, oh, oh, on the black hand side. This edition of Five on the Black Hand Side. We're going to be talking NBA. We got five questions. I'm going to go rapid fire with the fellas. We're going to get into it. We're going to break it down. We're going to lay it out RSD style. So here we go. Question number one. I'm going to pose this one to both you guys. Each of you guys get a shot at it, then we'll kind of go back and forth on it for a little bit. Question number one. I'm going to have D. Wills weigh in first. Love for Wiggins. Who is winning this deal thus far? Obviously, it's not a done deal because it's not far out enough. But we can always look at the scoreboard in the first quarter and say, hey, the other team is winning or the other team is losing, right? The game ain't over, though. So we're going to take that first quarter glance at the scoreboard. Who is winning this trade as of right now? I I would say Minnesota is winning it. Um, And part of it is what love is giving Cleveland – he gives some little stuff, but it's it's not enough to say that it's significant for them winning. So they've been winning. But I look at what Love is doing. He's had some good games. But I, I couldn't say that Wiggins couldn't have done the same thing and more. Wiggins might have given them more versatility. And part of this isn't Love's fault. It's the way that they're playing them. And, you know, I got this whole thing right now about NBA coaches. You know, one of the things that they don't know how to do, and this is one of the criticisms that our friend over at Oklahoma City gets, is that – Part of you can help your stars by the way you set your rotations. I mean, you can help; they could help Love by creating a lineups of rotations where he is the focal point. And and I, I don't think they, I don't think he's getting helped in that way that could allow for him by the end of the day have that impact. But I think you know, under LeBron's mentorship and everything else, I think Wiggins could have really helped him out. Could have going could take help him take nights off and because he could help him grow defensively. So I think there's things that Wiggins could do that LeBron is covering for right now, that if he just led and led this young man, that this is a guy that might be able to drag his career out, add some value, allow him to take some minutes down because he's, he, he could mentor him uh, up, at, you know, be his pippin in a way. And uh, so I, I think, you know, uh, Minnesota in this first quarter has it. Now, if they fix the rotation, I've seen some glimpses, a little bit more in love, where we can, where he's got 10, 12 games in a row where he's doing what we know he can do, then I'll probably shift it back. Okay. Okay. I like your points. I like your points. I'm going to have Hank wait in. Hank, your thoughts. Who's winning this trade now, right see, now? I would agree, uh, D. Wills, I would agree with you if, in fact, it wasn't the urgency for Cleveland to win right now. Um, I think that, yeah, I think LeBron would be a great mentor for the young Wiggins if there wasn't a desire or an urgency for Cleveland to win right now. And because of that, I think that this this deal now really favors Cleveland. Cleveland is starting to play up to its potential a little bit. And let's keep in mind, okay, the East is weak. All right, this is just an opportunity for Cleveland to really figure out what they're going to do so they can get to the playoffs. And this is where you have an experienced player in Kevin Love, or when you have Love uh, there. Um, I don't think that you want to have a rookie if you're trying to win right now, today, 
and you got to go through rookie mistakes in this playoff. There is a reason why uh, LeBron came back, and that's to get a championship to Cleveland. Um, if they were already there and then you had Wiggins here, yeah, I would go with everything you're saying. But given that this is a just a 82-game audition to get ready for the playoffs, I think you have to have to favor uh, Cleveland simply because of what they're trying to do right now. This isn't for the future. Um, so for right now, you have to give that to Cleveland. And right now, they're they're winning. They're they're number four in the East, and you know they're 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 trend, trending in the right direction. You have to look at it that way. Both very valid points that both you guys have made. Um, I tend to side with uh, Minnesota and myself, and I'll explain why. For me, I feel like I, I'm not a Kevin Love fan. I'm not a Kevin Love fan in the context of him being a championship power forward um, because, for me, I'm a defensive guy, and I know to play to win championships, you have to play. You have to have five guys who are committed and capable of playing defense. Now, because I'm a defensive guy, the thing that always irks me a little bit is when people say defense is just about heart and intent. That's like saying offensiveness, being a great offensive player is just about being aggressive. It's not, because you can be aggressive and have no clue what you're doing on the court. We've all seen that guy. We've all played with that guy who's super aggressive but has no clue, can't dribble, can't shoot, can't pass, doesn't have a skill set. Being a great defender is a skill set. There is a very tangible, real skill set that you have to have, and Kevin Love does not have that skill set. He does not have the skill set to be even an adequate defender, and that's where Cleveland is going to struggle, because when you get down to playing in Atlanta, who people are sleeping on, He's going to have to guard either Millsap or Al Horford, and both of them boys is going to put him through it. They're going to put him through it twice because you can't put Miles Golf on either one of them. So as I start to look at the matchups, I hear your point, Hank. They're trying to figure out how to win now. I think, and they made the move to win now, and I, I, I agree with you. It was, they were justified in making the move because they were trying to win now and trying to gamble and roll the dice on a rookie when you have what is a known commodity in Kevin Love. I totally agree with you. I totally agree with the logic of doing that. Um, my thing is also that they went, out, now, went after the wrong they, guy. They're flawed team too. Okay, with with Virgil going down, I hear you talking about the defense. But see that that's kind of you know switched up what they tried to do. Okay, on paper they knew what they what they were trying to put together. Now I'm with you on on Wiggins because see here's the thing that, that you're seeing though with Wiggins in Minnesota. There's no pressure there. Okay, this young absolutely, man can really absolutely. It's allowing game. him to develop. Right, so so there's no pressure there. You have to ask yourself: Do you want to put a, a rookie in that pressure? Now, keep in mind, you got you got seasoned veterans right now with Cleveland, and their and their goal is to win a championship right now. Okay, not develop a rookie, and I and I'm not taking nothing away from Wiggins, but you know it's it's not. You got a team right now that may have a fractured, you know, uh, psyche. Okay, much less trying to bring her along a rookie. This is where I'm coming from. Mm-hmm. So, but what I was saying is, we're making assumptions. But we're making assumptions you could have made other moves. So they moved two people. They be they moved Dion Waiters. And they also moved Anthony Bennett. So you didn't necessarily have to bring Love in. You could have brought veterans in to still had Wiggins and not having that pressure because we're making assumptions that you couldn't have moved Waiters uh, and Bennett for veterans that you would need to do. And the other thing, LeBron came in already saying this was going to be a process. So he already came in, you know, really pushing back on this thing. We're going to win now. 
that this is going to be a process. So he had already set the table, and I think people knew it would have been tough for them to come out and win right now this year. So I understood it, but I, I think it's hard because we're looking at hindsight. Like, you know, we're looking at when we looked at it, we said it's a good move, but we thought they were going to use love in a different way. But but when when you're looking at the fact that they moved Waiters and they moved Bennett, you could have gotten still got some veteran playback. Your lineup still could have gotten stronger, and you still have got this young cat. Because one of the things is you've got to be able to give LeBron relief. And love can't give LeBron relief, right? You've got to be able to do that. And there's no way in this – in this uh, Tyree kind of does it, but it's defensively you've got to do it. You've got to be able to find somebody who can defensively also give him a chance to move to other spaces. And I don't know – I mean, right. I think they made some moves here recently to help out with that. that's why Shumper was very important. That's why Shumper I think Shumper, important. yeah. He, he, he helps out a lot with that. They had to make the move to do that because they didn't have anything else. But I think Wiggins could have done that. Yeah, you know, because he he had a reputation for for being committed defensively, so that that is, and when you have youth like that who can produce and be a superstar, I, that's hard to move. I could see moving Waiters because he had already had some baggage. I could see moving Bennett, but Wig, I was a little nervous when they moved Wiggins. Come saying this is a guy who can allow you to have a longer run. Yeah, and and, and he don't have to be the man for me. And for me, I've always been skeptical. I, I was skeptical from the move from the beginning for that very reason right there um, that you just stated, Devon. I'll further expound on it in saying that it made sense to me if Love was going to be 26 and 15 like he was in Minnesota. If he was going to be 26 and 15, then you're right. you got to make that move. You won the move. But if you're having him be a 16.10 rebound, three-point shooting big, who doesn't play any defense and doesn't protect the rim, then you just gave up a guy who potentially in two or three years is going to be one of the top ten talents in the league for a guy who is just shooting threes and getting you ten rebounds a night. Now, again, if Love is giving you 26 and 14, I'm good with that. But you could have found somebody else to give you ten rebounds a game and shoot some threes and play okay defense and kept the dude that's going to be a top ten guy in the league within the next four to five years. And so, so now, we, so now the hindsight is twenty twenty. But my question is this: Okay, the the the, the, the desire for this move was made to win a championship. So uh, they win the championship, but they get to the finals. Okay, um, again, you you can't take nothing away from 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 Wiggins. But again, what we know about the NBA, and we see what we see right now, that was going to be a roll of the dice. You know, if that kid actually was going to pan out in that circumstance, you know, he is. He's a, he's an amazing talent, and we see that, okay? But the question was going to be that at the beginning, at the end of the day, were you going to roll that dice and, and go down that road? Was he going to be the same player? Okay, and that and I guess that's where I'm at. You had to you had to get a proven commodity. They're trying to get a veteran team to win a championship right now. That's the, that's that's the mantra. That's the edict. Okay, Absolutely. so we, I know we're talking about the numbers. And I know we're looking at all that, but you're still looking at a player that's playing on a team with no pressure. What they got? Twelve wins all season. And, and it's not so much about Wiggins. It's not so much about what Wiggins is doing. It's that love isn't giving you what you thought you was gonna get. That's what I'm saying. That's, that's now, what I'm saying. Again, that's what I'm but, saying. But this, this is the regular it, season. It was a bad investment. Now, you made the move because you were trying to win, but in the end, you got a dude that's giving you sixteen and ten. And you needed somebody to give you and it, and for what you gave up, right? So 
So I just traded in a Porsche, right? I just traded in a Porsche for, you know, uh, uh, something else. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm struggling with this analogy. But I, I look here. It's, it's what you, it's, it's what like you gave this. up, you're not getting back what you thought you were going to get. That's my but, but to me, it's like this, okay? I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you this analogy, okay? So you bought you a Porsche, okay, in Michigan in February, okay? Where the hell are you going to drive it, all right? You just want to keep the engine warm. Let's see what happens when the, when the weather turns. And in this case, we're talking about the playoffs, all right? That's what they got him for. All right, I'm pretty sure with the team Cleveland put together, they figured they was going to get to the playoffs. Okay, this is one of those moves that that's going to we're going to it's going to uh, either reap benefits or it's going to or not for the playoffs. This is the move I see with Kevin uh, with Kevin Love, and right now they're trending in the right directions. But but you know I I, I see what you guys are saying, but I, I think it's right yeah. now it's right now move for Cleveland. Yeah, and this is where and this is where with, with Love. I, this is where I was apprehensive about apprehensive about trading Wiggins for love in the beginning is because, like you said, there's no pressure on Wiggins, and I've I've paid attention to Love's career because I've had him in fantasy leagues and so I've watched his games, watched his numbers, and he was able to just go chase numbers in, in Minnesota, and that inflated his value, and now that he's in a situation where he has to play what seems to be a little bit more disciplined game, he's being asked to play more defense. He may not be the player that they thought he was, period. He just may not be as good as we thought his number said he was from what he did in Minnesota. And I think that's going to bite them in the butt when they get to into the playoffs because, one, he ain't never been. He ain't never been to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And he's already shown that when he has to play a more disciplined game, his production decreases. So just think, the game gets tighter. The discipline has to be even more intense in the playoffs. He's already struggling with regular season discipline when you're trying to actually win games. In Minnesota, they wasn't asking him to win games. All he had to do was put up numbers. And that's all he had to do, like you said about Wiggins, no pressure. Develop, put up numbers. That's what he did. For me, that's what worries me is that the drastic switch going from a dude that was 26 and 14 to 16 to 10 points less, four rebounds, four, four and a half rebounds less per game. When you're, we're asking you to do stuff that wins, when we're asking you to play winning basketball, your your production drops significantly. That's a problem to me because that means that maybe you weren't as good. Maybe your impact was inflated because nobody was asking you to play winning basketball. And that's where and, and you're right. They're trying to win a championship. This is where your point is important because one of the things that people said about Love was his ability to rebound even when he was shooting threes. So part of what I don't understand with him when you look at his stats, is that even though they don't run plays for him in the way that they should, he should still be collecting on those boards the same way he was collecting on them in Minnesota. When he was still collecting on boards and he was coming from three, he would go to the rack, grab offensive rebounds, and put it back. And you don't see that kind of effort where he's just finding ways to score. He just kind of – so that dogness, I think you're hitting that. He's not having that impact. He's not, not having, having an like, impact in a way that great even if they don't players, want to for. Right. Real great players cannot score, and you know they're on the court. You still know they're involved in the game. And we all know this. We know the real Gs, when, even when they're not scoring, they're doing something. They're out there. They're having an impact. And sometimes you don't even know love is out there. You know, and, and I think that's where – Go ahead. And, 
and I was saying that one of the things I th- I was happy about it when you know we go back and check the tape was what I really thought he would be able to bring to the table because you know he's got the best outlet pass since West Hustle that even when they weren't running plays he'd get rebounds and turn and get e- easy buckets for his team because mm-hmm. the fact he'd get it out to Kyrie and out to LeBron with that great outlet pass so just like you said that's where he would have impact he'd have like four or five of those kind of passes a game just because he snatched it got in there and got out the ball out and LeBron or Kyrie's you don't see him doing those things that are championship kind of things because he's too big moping about not being in the offense. You know what? This, this I've, I've heard this argument before, you know, where uh, a player goes to a team, high profile, doesn't play up to his potential. Uh, the other two players on the team is doing all the work and they're questioning whether or not this particular player should even be there. That player I'm talking about is Chris Bosh, okay? And it was Chris Bosh who was the odd man out of the big three when they went to when Miami uh, picked up uh, LeBron, okay, with Wade, okay? But when did that start to reap uh, uh, dividends? It started to reap dividends in the playoffs, okay? Chris Bosh wasn't no big uh, playoff guy neither, all right, but I Bosch see could the thing. Kind of, but Bosch huh? could defend. That's my that's my biggest thing. Bosch could defend. Bosch was an athletic okay. big. He could jump is, out on the pick and roll. Bosch, he could defend. Bosch Love until can't they do got that. to the playoffs. He was an odd man out. Okay, but like, there's too much that's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying Love doesn't have a championship skill set. Bosch could play defense. Bosch still could play defense, so he still could be an asset to a championship team. I don't think so, Love so, can. So, but we Love, know, we know that Love was a 26-15 player at, at, at Minnesota, right? Right. Okay. So so uh, we're, we're saying that he's no longer that player, or we're saying that he's just not playing up to that potential? I'm not saying. And we're I'm saying he's not playing up to that, 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 that potential. I'm, I'm, I'm just saying that that I'm, player could still be there. And if he's there for a playoff run with, with LeBron James, who does have a championship pedigree, you have to stay tuned. That That's what he's there for. He's not there for no game in the middle of February against the Detroit Pistons. What I'm saying is is that he was a 26-14 and 14 player, but he wasn't a shot blocker. He wasn't a defensive player. And to win championships, all five guys got to play defense. That's not what they got and him for. Not, but you know what? He's not even doing that. what they got him for offensively. You see what I'm saying? He's not even doing that. He's not so doing that now. Where does he fit in? Because he's still got to turn around I, okay. and guard. That's where Bosch helped. Bosch could guard. Bosch allowed them to do different things defensively that Love is not – he doesn't have the skill set. He doesn't have the ability to help and show, get back. He doesn't have the ability to jump out and switch. He can't do – Bosch can do a lot defensively. Those mm-hmm. are things that go – unseen to the untrained eye, right? They don't see that. They just see, oh, Bosch ain't scoring 25. My thing is that Love put up those numbers, and it made us think he was more of an impact player than he really is. He was an offensive guy, and he's going to help them offensively. And so offensively. you that a rookie in that but same role would be better off at struggling. Say what? I said, so you're saying that a rookie in that same role right now with this team would be a better fit. I'm saying if that if they, they could have got. Right now. I'm saying they could have got somebody else to do the things that they need for a championship run. They ran for the. They they grabbed the pyrite, right? The fool's gold. It's shiny, right? Let me go grab it. 
they could have made some more strategic moves, kept Wiggins, still got what they needed from a defensive aspect, Brian and Kyrie going to take most of the shots anyway, right? Yeah. Wiggins still was going to be the third or fourth option. They wasn't counting on him. He was going to be let LeBron take a break, let's develop him. And what Wiggins would have ultimately done is he would have extended what, with this championship, this potential, because they still would have been a contender in the East because the East is weak. With Wiggins, without love, they still would have been in the mix because they got LeBron and Kyrie. They still would have been in the mix. Let's be real. They still would be four. They would be four now with those guys. But what Wiggins mm-hmm. would have done is he would have given them a window. He would have given them a five, six championship potential run. So they played checkers instead of chess, in my in my opinion, on this move. They went for the quick, let's fix it up real quick, let, let, let's throw a new coat of paint on it, but let's not change the engine. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to run good for about a year, two years, but then we're going to be right back at square one in a minute. Cleveland wants a and championship. <laughs> they want a right, championship. Right, that's what I'm saying. Right, yeah. they want a championship. Why not get four or five? Why not? Why not plan for the long run? That's what San Antonio does. They keep San Antonio tooling, they is keep, got forty-one keep championship. Tweaking. Exactly. Cleveland, look, Cleveland, Cleveland ain't had a championship in Cleveland since Fred Flintstone was in Bedrock. Okay, I so they got to get with, something. I'm with you. I'm with you, but that's why you can't be desperate, right? You still got to be smart, though. I agree. That right. was a desperate move, but they're trying to win broke. now. Just you broke, you win the lottery, you can't blow it all. You still got to invest. You got to play for the long, son. You got to put I'm some saying, away. I got you. Just you I, broke, I, I, you I'm telling you what right? they did. I'm telling you what they did. And for what they did right now, that's the move for right now. Now, if you're talking about moves for the future, yeah, because Wiggins is their future, okay? But they don't even know if they're going to keep LeBron James after this year, okay? LeBron talking about opting out. They trying to win right now and do anything they can. That ownership group trying to do anything they can to win I, today. Yep. And that's what okay. happens when you come Because if they don't win today, the if they don't, don't do everything they can right? to win today, he could be gone. And they know that. Right. So, they, so yeah, you're, you can say all you want to about the future, okay, but they can't be trying to invest into next year, year after that, because they don't know if they got LeBron. They got to try to win while they got him here. Right. And, and they're, they're the guy in the relationship who knows he can't keep the girl, and so he's buying her all this stuff to try and impress her because he can't keep her instead of having a confidence swag. Instead of having a confidence swag. And that's the mistake like, they made the first listen, time around. Listen, I'm the, best, I'm the best deal you got. You need you need to stay here. They didn't, they, didn't, they didn't do that. They didn't present him with a plan, right? They didn't come with a plan. They didn't have that outlook of being like, hey, this is what we got going on. This is how we see all the pieces fit. And this is what we're going to make happen. They didn't have that. You're right. They were willy-nilly. They were desperate. And so they did what they thought was right. Again, what my initial thought, and you can check the tape, was I don't know if it was the best move long-term. Win no, right now. It's long-term. It's a and, and, and my thing right. was I don't even know if it, it puts them in a position to win right now. I don't think they could beat anybody in the West. I don't think they're beating any team in the West with this roster. They might get to the finals, but they ain't winning nothing. You if this team was in the West. Win anything if this team was in the West, say what? I don't think no team in the East, the East is going to win the finals. They could win the East. That's not the championship. They got to be somebody No, you're right. Right. You know, so I, I, that's my thing. I don't think they – I still don't think they're going to win the championship with this team. And it's because love and, doesn't play defense. And, and, and what Wiggins gives you is he gives you – he gives you quickness. He gives you the, the ability to defend on the perimeter, steals, getting out of the break. He gives you some things even when he's not playing because he 
because he did come out with a reputation for getting after ball defensively. He gives you something every night. And, D. Will, and we, so talked about this, we talked about this about Draymond Green. We had the famous Draymond Green t- uh, text conversation. <laughs> we <laughs> listeners out there, we've had, we had, we've gone back and forth about Draymond Green. It's ridiculous. But we had the infamous Draymond Green text conversation. And we talk, we, this is what makes Draymond Green so valuable to Golden State. This is why the defense is so much better. Is they can switch everything. They can just yeah. switch, right? With love out there, you can, you can never do that. But let's say you slide LeBron over to the power forward and you got Wiggins guarding the best, Clay Thompson. Now you just switch. It makes you that much more effective defensively when teams are trying to run pick and roll. I just switch, put LeBron on. And then Wiggins will take the yeah. other guy. You know what I mean? The things that you can do defensively, and that's what made, that's why Golden State is where they are. That's why they're at the top yeah. of the league right now. It's because their mm-hmm. defense has improved. Championship teams play defense. And love is a defensive liability. And just like Carlos Boozer, when he was with the Bulls and they had to pull him out in the fourth quarter, what are they doing with love in the fourth quarter? Yanking him. At the end of tight games, when they got to tighten up the defense, the guy that they traded, what will be one of the top ten players in the league in the next two or three years, they can't play in the fourth quarter down the stretch of games because his defense is terrible. That's not that's not going to win them a championship. Yes, I dig it. They were all in on the championship. The right move is to be all in on the championship. They got the wrong guy. That's all I'm saying. And they gave up a really important piece, but they got the wrong guy. Yeah. So we're going to move on to number two. I love it. We're going to move on to number two. First half MVP. Who is – Hank, you can start us off. Who is your first half – who's your MVP of the first half of the NBA season? Is there any wonder? Is there any guess? It's got to be Steph, okay? Yeah. Steph Curry, like you said earlier – he has just been playing amazing basketball. Um, he, you know, he's worth the price of admission, okay? Yes. And in this day of the falling superstar that is the NBA, to, he's a breath of fresh air. You know, he, he's, got, he's, he's got a game that, that, that he's fun to watch. He's playing with a winning team, he's the, the clear leader of that team. Uh, what he did at the All-Star game was to get those on board who didn't know about Steph Curry on board to know who he is. You know, he's clowning right now, you know, and the West needs a dynamic superstar like that, you know, um, that that's that's up and, and trending upward. And I love him. I love his game. And easily the MVP of the first half, probably, probably the whole year. Yeah, he is. He's doing things that, you know, I just didn't think he'd be able to. He's doing what he did at Davidson in the pros. Yeah. You know, at Davidson, when he was at Davidson, he was doing this kind of stuff for college kids. And he was like, wow, man, he went – you just couldn't take your eyes off of him when Davidson was on. You just watched because he would just be doing stuff. And he'd come off a, a, a double screen and just catching fire. And it's just like he couldn't miss. And he's doing that against the best players in the world now. It's, it's, it's just insane. And, the, again, for me, again, I always come back to this, he's defending too. That, yeah. to me, is just like he's playing deep. You know, he's playing great defense. You know, and, and that to me just, you know, he's my MVP first half as well. D. Yeah. Wills, are you going to make it three for three? I, I, I won't put it in, but I'm, I'm going to say somebody who's close because he kept his team in it, and I, you're going to see them continue to rise. They just won their last seven. They're nine and one in the last ten is Russell Westbrook. And the mm-hmm. reason why I'm saying it is that OK City could have been down and out. Durant has kind of been in and back out. But this cat got, I think, four games of 30 points 
and 10 assists. I mean, they got some pieces now, but there were times he's playing with Benny and the Jets. And <laughs> watch him. He, he, I mean, it's like he's so violent. I don't want to describe it. It's like Wreck-It Ralph, man. I call him Wreck-It Ralph. He's so violent, and and I got a feeling they're going to make a run. They could have been totally out of it. If you're thinking about just because I love Steph, but the other thing that makes Steph easy to go is that he got some guys like Clay and some other folks that make it very difficult to double-team him. I I think they, they, you know, what you've been saying about they've been doing defensively about something, they got a team around him in a way that's allowing him to really grow. But if you look at what what Westbrook is doing, he basically that cat that all his guys just got knocked down. It's like five guys in the alley. They kind of unconscious, and he not only fighting for his life, but he's fighting to protect them. And he's just knocking folks out. By all cat, he should just get overwhelmed. But somehow he walked out of the alley driving, dragging all of his boys with him. That's what he's doing. And if and if you look at what they've done over the last ten games, nine and one, his 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 uh, full no is an all star game. That I'm taking no shorts. I mean, he's, his competitiveness is about as close as you got to Kobe, like real competitiveness, not fake. Like I'm smiling at you, but I'm about to dunk on you, competitiveness. I love him, man. So he's close to Steph. And I would – and the reason I brought him up because I think sometimes when we talk about first-half MVPs, we talk about just the best record, which I think we get, we should, and it's a great one. But you got to talk about a guy who is really carrying his team by all counts. They could be down. They could have been down and out if it weren't for him. Yeah, he is – He he's like, like – his competitiveness is – he is that dude who, even as a competitor, you get worried about playing with him or against him because it's just like, this dude is just not even having fun. He's just so mad. Like, you just, it's just like, yo, man, I'm competing too. Let's have a good time. You know what I mean? Let's have a good time to compete. And he's just like, nah, nah, nah. <laughs> I ain't smiling. I ain't smiling. I'm mad. I'm angry. Like, just. He just has his level of intensity is is to a point where I'm su- I'm surprised it doesn't make his teammates a little nervous because he's just like he might fight my face <laughs> off. <laughs> I mean, I and think we he makes the same nervous because yeah. before he was just a little wild guy that Grant uh, that Durant was trying to keep in check. Now yeah. he got all his stuff right, and even Durant yeah. got to look over. It. I just need to step back and let this young man do what he do. He's like you know, you know it's not he's like. like He's like Tupac in, in, in Above the Rim. You know, Durant's Tom Shepard, right? And he's like, yo, I ain't waiting on you no more, Shep. <laughs> we ain't waiting on old Shep. We ain't waiting on old Shep. You know, not a little brother that came up and he's got the clout. He's walking around with the razor blade under the tongue. You know what I mean? He's walking around, you know, running the streets. That He's Birdie, Birdie from Above the Rim. He is, he is the most <laughs> just don't care Slice a bum up in the alley. I'm winning the tournament <laughs> over a hoop tournament, right? <laughs> He's killing bums over a hoop tournament. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, we got to win this. 
You know what I mean? We've got it with him. Like, we injuring cats. Like, that's who he is, man. He is he is that intense, man. It's, it's ridiculous. He is the little brother. And that's the, and you're right. Like, Durant was like the benevolent, this is, you know, I'm I'm going to get after you, but I'm going to do it in that, like, calm, calm before the storm kind of way. Well, Westbrook is just a tsunami, man. I mean, he's a tsunami mixed with an earthquake, mixed with a volcano eruption. And he's just like, you can't he's, do nothing with him. He's Ice Cube. I mean, yeah. he, you know, he he's, he's like straight out of Compton. I mean, and you just <laughs> bobbing your head when you're watching him. Mm-hmm. It's just like, I'm, I'm feeling you. What you're saying is, is resonating right through me. I'm with you. Before... He was like, I'm not knowing this guy. Before he was a little, he was a little crazier, but now, yeah, he, he reminds me of Ice Cube, man. When when you look at, him, he's like, he's saying something. I need to listen. Yeah, I need to listen. And he, to he, young man. Right, right. His intensity, his intensity is more focused now. Right, he's got that focused intensity. It's, it's ridiculous. Interesting. Yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying. It. <laughs> I like Westbrook, but I still think he's a close second to Steph. But I'm 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 with you on Westbrook, though. I'm I'm liking what he's doing right now, but Steph. Steph is like I said, he's got that light skin boost Leroy glow going. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's I got that glow going. I can't get mad at you. I can't get mad at you. He's got that glow going. All right, so we're gonna go to number three. Best deadline deal. Trade deadline just passed. It was like a million trades. A lot of small pieces, some big deals. Goran Dragic got moved, Reggie Jackson got moved from the uh Oklahoma City Thunder. What was the best move for you, Hank? Well, you just mentioned it, and because of the local flavor, okay, Reggie Jackson being moved to the Pistons for a bag of balls, basically. Um, <laughs> this helps. That's right, because what this does is, it, it you know, Van Gundy is trying to build something here in Detroit, you know, yeah. and as, a, and as a, a fan, I appreciate it, you know. Now you've got you a big guard to go with, uh, with, with Drummond, okay, there's there's talk around here that they're going to make a move. You know they they're, they're going to try to get uh, Draymond here next year. Okay, now you got your semblance of an NBA basketball team. You know the, the East right, is so right. bad that the Pistons have a ten, ha, have an opportunity to at least you know compete for the playoffs this year. They don't mean anything, but you can at least see a plan. Okay, mm-hmm. and for a team that's just so far under the radar to make a move like that. For a player that, you know, he wasn't going to sign back with uh, Oklahoma City. You know, he wasn't getting the time he needed. But 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 he's he's a very serviceable guard, you know. And, he, and, and, and like you say, he plays defense too, you know, big guard. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm excited about that on, on, a, on a local level. Um, and so for me, that was that was a surprise because, you, you know, you, you think about it, would he come here unless you trade for him? And now he knows he's got an opportunity to run his show. You know, so that that move for me was an eye opener, actually. All right, I like I, and I like that move, and I like the fit because um, I think even when Jennings comes back, you can play Jackson and Jennings together. You know, because J- Jackson yeah. is a little bit of a guard. You can play those two guys together. Jackson doesn't need the ball all the time. He can play off the ball, um, and he even can let Jennings play off the ball a little bit. And when Jennings was in Milwaukee, and they had him be able to do that from time to time, play off the ball, he was better. You know, I think that helps mm-hmm. him too. That helps him because Jennings struggles being a, the point guard. You know what I mean, and having to worry about other people's offense. That's something that he right. struggled with. He's gotten better at it, but he's still not a natural 
somebody else needs a shot. Let me create. Let me get something for somebody else. Let me call something for somebody else. Let me get us into something to get somebody else something. He still kind of sees his offense first, and then when all else fails, you find somebody else. So I think him and Jackson could be a decent backcourt together. Um, I like that move too. D. Wills, your best move. Uh, well, I, I think Oklahoma City overall got a lot back, but I'm standing in the middle. I'm, yeah, I, this is a theme we got because I, I had a chance to watch the Bad Boys, the 30 for 30. And I, I like moves that kind of give me a sense of um, a team is trying to change where they're going. So I love what you were – I was going to say the Detroit one. I think it's Milwaukee. Um, you know, I think getting Ennis, Plumley, Carter Williams, I think – Milwaukee is trying to establish an identity. I don't know where it's going, but I think one of the things that you have to do in a small market is you got to find a coach who you can just go with that can pull players, and then you got to determine what your identity is going to be. You got to think Utah, and you got to think about what your identity is going to be and build your team around your identity. I think that's what great makes the Piston organization great. Um, you know, you got to find an identity and find stars who can live that identity. And I think Milwaukee. One of its struggles is it, it always it, it never went back to that identity that drove the Moncrief and those like whatever you're gonna play. And I feel like this is beginning to shape into somewhat of an identity. Um, I think these are young players that can be coached um, and that he can start to build a climate with. So I was really interested in these teams that are trying to are they making moves that's beginning to set the foundation for what kind of identity they want to have. And I like kind of Milwaukee kind of flew somewhat under the radar. But I like what they're trying to do when all their pieces get healthy going into next season. Yeah, and I, I agree with you 100%. Um, I think when you're a small market team, one, you have to develop your own talent. You, you can't expect to go and have somebody else develop it for you and then sign it when they become a free agent. It doesn't work that way. Um, so they're going about it the right way to acquiring young pieces and trying to figure out what to keep and what to not keep. And I think that's the biggest thing when you're a small market team is you got to make sure you don't invest in fool's gold. And they realized that Knight wasn't going to be a good fit and that they needed to let him walk. And so they did. You know, they, they, they made the trade, you know, and they brought in some more pieces and let's try it with this. But I, the thing I like the most when you talk about his identity is that it looks, it looks from the outside looking in and it looks like they're thinking we want to be the longest team in the league. We just want to have – Six foot six dudes, you know what I mean, with long arms yep. in the backcourt. Because you know you got Anatokounmpo who can play the two guard. You got Carter yep. Williams. You're looking at a six foot nine, six foot eleven backcourt potentially. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. You got a six eleven. You got a six six point guard, six foot eleven two guard. You got John Henson behind them. You know, um, six seven shooting guard. And uh, you got a guy six seven, Chris Middleton, who's who's a nice young small forward. They got the pieces, and they're actually doing a pretty good job of winning with what they got. Take my hat off to Jason Kidd. He's doing a much better job. Um, he's showing himself to be a much better coach and developer of talent than I thought he was when he was in Brooklyn. And maybe in Brooklyn, yeah. it was just a bad mix of his peers, trying to work with his peers, and now he's working with a younger group of guys who um, he speaks to a little bit easier than, you know, the KGs and the Paul Pierce's of the world who competed against him. You know, yeah. maybe that was just a bad dynamic for a first-year coach. Um, but he's doing a much better job now. Seems like he's found himself as a coach, and they're doing a real good job. But, again, I think they're moving to that type of a roster where you can switch everything on defense. You know, I think that's the next kind of wave in the NBA as far as defense. Everybody running these pick and rolls, 
they run them because they count on your big man not being able to step out and take the guard. And if you got a big who can just go ahead and take the guard, well, what's the point of running the pick and roll anymore? You know what I mean? So I like that move. The move that I, I chose was one particular piece, and one particular piece really made the move, but the entire move itself I really liked, and that was the Detroit-Oklahoma City move, but for Oklahoma City. Um, and I'm going to talk about the Oklahoma City side of it. Getting Enos Cantor, who is a young big, who scores. That's been the missing piece with Oklahoma City. They haven't had a guy who you could throw the ball to with his back to the basket and he can get you a bucket, and Cantor can do that. He has to improve as a defender, but he can score points for them. And if that's what they're, they're bringing him in to come in and be that big off the bench and to balance out Adams, I think that'll help. Kyle Singler is a nice wing who can defend. I know Detroit probably hated to lose him because he was a nice, dirty work player um, that worked well in their system. Um, and then they got a backup point guard in D.J. Augustine who can let Russell soak up some minutes at the two if he needs to and do his uh, his birdie, Wreck-It Ralph, you know what I mean, last son of man deal, you know what I mean, <laughs> where he just goes Terminator <laughs> on him. You know, so – I that I like I like that move for Detroit. I like it for I like that move for OKC and all the moving pieces where you know uh, Jackson found his way to Detroit. He found an opportunity that he was looking for. But then some of those pieces that OKC got back, I thought they were real good, um, real good pieces to to hang on for them to pick up. And I think those guys are going to be key to their run. Um, Cantor is already paying dividends. You know, he scored twenty points. He had a twenty ten game. Um, he's had an eighteen point game, so he's doing well already. Um, so, you know, we're finishing up. We got about four minutes left. All right, so we're going to go rapid fire with these two. Crystal Ball, finish out the season, your top three, Hank, in the East. Who are your top three teams in the East right now? I, I think in the East you got to look at Atlanta, Cleveland, and uh, I've, I've got to go with Chicago because I just have no trust in Toronto. Sorry. Mm, okay, even without Rose. You know what? You know, even I don't trust. I don't trust them. I, that's my whole thing. I know Rose can't stay on the court, but I just I, there's just something about the Raptors that just don't set well with me. So I I, I can't pick them for that. Now I understand. I had that. I've had that feeling about many a team, many a person in my day. Something just ain't quite right about that. I right. feel you. D. Wills, your top three in the East. Uh, Atlanta, Cleveland, and Chicago. I actually think Chicago is going to be better knowing that. Rose is going to be out, and they can just focus. They got a lot of nice pieces. Butler's grown. Um, I think that brings Powell back in the mix. I think that they're going to be much more fluid offensively. Um, they can defend. I think sometimes that pressure of is he going to break down or not, I think that that hurt them more than helped them. Um, and I, I think given the way the East is right now, I think if they can just start using the last, these last, this last part of the season to solidify their rotation and get other folks healthy and ready to go, I think Chicago is going to be nice because of the fact that they won't have that stuff looming over their heads. Um, and Cleveland, yeah. I think, as we said, going in Atlanta is good. Yeah, and I think with Chicago, I think the thing that looms as well is that they were just – I think sometimes they would, they seemed like they were waiting on Rose to kind of get back to him, his old self, and he just yeah. wasn't. And now they can just go out and play. They don't have to yeah. keep, like, waiting, uh, okay, is he going to get it back, and then he just play, I think. You know, so I felt a little bit of that. All right, top three in the West, Hank. I got Golden State, I got Memphis, then I got Dallas jumping two teams. 
I think that Carlisle lighting the fire and, and doing what he did with Rondo, I think that's going to uh, serve that team well, and I think they're going to have a nice stretch run down the road. Okay. All right, D. Will, top three in the West. Uh, I got Golden State, Memphis, and then I actually have a tie um, between, I think it's going to be the, the, the Clippers and uh, OK City. I think OK is mm. nine in a row. Uh, when you look at differential in terms of offense, defense, these are teams that are going to rise up. You know, I think Dallas is going to be in the mix, but I think when it's all said and done, um, I think the Clippers and OK City are going to be in that. In terms of not seeding, but just we're going to think they're the third best. Okay. All right. All right. So that does it for this edition of the Real Sports Guys. Real Sports Guys, RSG, Renegade Radio, signing off for this week. We'll check back with you in a couple of weeks. Check out our podcast on realsportsguys.com. Um, glad to, just glad to be back on the radio. It's good to be back, fellas. Thank you for sitting in. Hey, yeah. Much appreciation. Shout out to PAC out there holding it down. We'll start it with you, brother. Take it easy. Be well. All y'all, until next time, peace. is Ryan here and I have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper a woohooer a hand clapper a high fiver I kind of like the high five but if you want to hone in on those winning moves check out Chumba Casino at ChumbaCasino.com choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes there are new game releases weekly plus free daily bonuses so don't wait start having the most fun ever at ChumbaCasino.com no purchase necessary VTW void prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus